So this morning, we have the pleasure of having a guest speaker here with us, and I am so um, happy that you're finally going to get to know some of some great friends of One Chapel, and Courtney and I have known Britton Audrey Hancock for 26 years. Our paths has crossed back in Colorado Springs, and and uh, our paths keep on crossing throughout the years, and um, they are the creators and the directors of Mountain Gateway Ministries, which is an equipping, uh, preparing, training, and sending, and pastoring missions organization that is located just over in, in Dripping Springs, but sends people all over the world. And so it's my great pleasure to have Britt speak to us here this morning. So put your hands together and welcome him as he comes. Thank you, Brett. Howdy. How are y'all? I can't talk with addiction that he does, because <laughs> I grew up in Alabama. Can't tell, can you? <laughs> it's a joy to meet you this morning. God bless you. I'm excited to be here. Um, like Pastor Russ said, we have known each other for a long time. Um, we met in 1992, the same year that I met a fellow named Ross Parsley. Y'all ever heard of him? And we became um, friends and, and have walked a lot of life together, Pastor Ross and I, and um, decided to kind of go on a great adventure together. And we uh, left ministries that we were at, and we branched out into kind of a new enterprise for us, and for me, I was working as a pioneer church planting ministry in Mexico, which we're still there and we still do that. But we, um, God really put us on a pathway to one day recruit, train, place, and pastor ministers around the world. And so it came time for us and, uh, to try to start getting traction with calling and training and sending and and that happened about the same time that Pastor Ross was grappling with the question of, should I leave and go somewhere and start a church? And so we kind of grappled, he and I together and our families together with that question. And, and um, uh, he came up with the answer, yes, I should go to Austin. That's where Jesus wants me to go. And I said, well, um, we're kind of at the same juncture, so I just come over there and irritate you while you start your thing, and <laughs> and uh, maybe you can help me. Uh, and so anyway, we we had this kind of convergence at the same time. Uh, we decided to move our base here because of our relationship with the Parsleys and um, what we knew would be a relationship with. Uh, what emerged from our obedience to God and for for Pastor Ross that's you and for me that is a group of people that are trying to uh, follow Jesus in various countries and I want to there's some of us here today I want to introduce some of them to you if you're in Mountain Gateway will you stand up yeah thank you Jesus so I have a couple of my family members here. My youngest son is right here. His name is David. Some of y'all know him. My wife, Audrey, the best thing Jesus has ever done in my life, for my life. Russ says amen. <laughs> yes. Uh, we've known each other long enough for him to remember when I was really rough around the edges. <laughs> 
Um, uh, and the Gildays are here, Garrett and Lish. They're from Colorado Springs. They um, are on our development team, and uh, they opened the country of Nicaragua for us. They pioneered that country, Carlos Juarez. Uh, he's uh, our media guy, and Marcus Hartwig, he's in Nicaragua on my son Jacob's team. My son Jacob, who's not here this morning, is our head missionary there, and who else is here? Chad Pritula, who is our, he keeps all of us able to do what we do. He's our administrator. He lives over in Dripping Springs on our property and attends the Monterey Oaks uh, what it's not called that is it's the Austin campus of one chapel and he does one of those was that thing y'all called out that that thing you do the eat supper get together talk about Jesus suppers for six or at six or whatever he does one of those <laughs> and so and uh so anyway um Ross Ross yes Ross Russ Ross too many R's Pastor Ross is on uh, uh, is on my board, and I am an overseer here, and so we do that mutual submission, mutual accountability, because we really can tell each other the truth. So I'm happy about that. Um, it's my first time to get to meet some of you, and uh, we're, my wife and I are not in this vicinity very much. We're out and about. Um, we worked uh, from 1997 until 2012 full-time as church planners in Mexico, doing pretty much exclusively village work. And so we worked with Aztec descendants and that kind of thing. And, and, um, and now we have families down in Mexico working, and we opened up, like I said, Nicaragua, and we have people there working. And... and um, uh, we sometimes have people in Guatemala training. That's where we do. We send everybody to do language training. And we have people that are coming that have hearts for different nations. And that's really an exciting thing. And sometimes, uh, I, lately, I've been kind of talking to myself going, is this real? How did we get here? Because um, for years from... From 1997 until 2012, it really was just my family and I working planting churches in Mexico. And uh, it feels like, although in the moment it doesn't feel like that, but now retrospectively, it feels like I blinked and we turned into 43 or 4 or 5 people. And then we have more people coming because we're starting a training cohort in April of 2019. And there's there's eight or nine adults right now and and more that are coming and 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 I was like how did I get here and uh, I want to talk about that a little bit I had an encounter with Jesus in 1989 on the top of a mountain in Yellowstone National Park the first year that we actually jumped out and went quote-unquote full-time in the ministry and my wife, Audrey, was pregnant with our first child. We have four children. Um, three of them are married. And two of them have children. So I'm a granddad. We're grandparents. Like, that is amazing. 
have four grandkids. And so people, so somebody found out, heard that the, the last week at Kyle and were like, or no, they were talking to my son David. They're like, how old is your dad? And he said, how old do you think my daddy is? Like 35. <laughs> I'm not 35. Although I know I act like it. I'm excited about Jesus. I've been excited about Jesus for as long as I can remember. I don't remember a time that I've not been excited about Jesus. And so, um, anyway, I had this encounter with the Lord. And he told me in 1989, when we were very first starting out, what I want you to do, son, is I want you to recruit, train, place, and pastor missionaries. And I was like, you want me to do what? Y'all ever seen a cow stare at a gate that's brand new, you know, like it hadn't been there before? A little cow standing there, he's standing, staring at a new gate like a cow staring at a new gate. That's the saying, right? They, they go. And whatever you make, that makes you think. That's how I felt. Huh? <laughs> huh? Missionary, what is that? I mean, conceptually, I knew that. Some of you all know my sister, Kim Swafford. She was a missionary, and so we had family interaction with the missionary thing. But experientially, I had no idea what he was talking about. And it scared me real bad. And I didn't. And then he showed me a whole bunch of stuff. And compared to what I saw and who I was, I knew that there was no way that I measured up to that. Anybody ever, ever felt like that? That you, you like came up to the edge and who you are is not equal to who you need to be to, in order to go where he wants you to go? Have you ever, anybody, like, you know, like me, I can sit down on the ground and raise up my arms and legs both. Yes. And the wonderful thing about Jesus, and you know, we say here at One Chapel that we're really engaged with you to help you move from where you are toward where Jesus wants you to go. Because he's really into that. He's really helping us move in a transformative way from the person that we are and, and the transformation that needs to happen as he moves us toward the target expression of his heart for this world that he wants to involve us in. And that's really an amazing thing. And, I, and that process, though, sometimes is bumpy. Anybody Can everybody say Amen. Or say amen or oh me. And so um, we walked a really long road. Uh, our lives intersected with Pastor Russ and Courtney kind of on the front end of things for the first time. And then we kind of, like he said, we kind of did this through the years. And uh, I really think it's pretty amazing that it that now we're in we're we're in, again, the same orbit, in the same church, in the same body of believers. And the Lord is, has done amazing things in our lives, the same as He will do with every one of us if we just keep going in Him. You know, the Scripture says in John chapter 14... Verse 6, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me or through me or by the means of me. And what that really means is, is there's a beginning place that we have in the Lord. We start off at a point. And then we start on this journey with Him. And there's really awesome things that happen from start to finish. And the terminus of that road or that way is where the Father is in complete perfection. And that really is our promise, right? And so we have this, this whole thing of not being equal in who we are to what it is that Jesus wants us ultimately to become. That's a big deal in the kingdom. And so what that means is we have an actual condition that, we are, that is our present actual right now. And we have where God wants us to go and who we must become. And sometimes that causes problems because what we hope for, what we sometimes expect is not what we are currently experiencing. But the good news of the gospel is this right here. If you get started on the road with Jesus, we can count on the fact that we will encounter 100% of his promises. And the only thing that is required for that to happen is for you just to keep going. Just keep going. If you are not experiencing what you desperately need or what you expect, just keep going. You'll run into it in a minute. How can you miss? If the beginning is Jesus and the end is the Father, what will that not answer? Right? Isn't that cool? There's nobody like Jesus, I'm just here to tell you. Just in case you was wondering. So we walked this long journey. Jesus, Jesus spoke to us and we've been through a lot of bumps and... And um, uh, had lots of problems and seen lots of victories and had lots of defeats and lots of struggles. Do you know why that is? Because life, that's why. Life is just a problem. Hello? Okay, let's do a survey. Can we do a survey in just a second? How many of you ever encountered maybe one problem in your life before you got saved? Raise your hand. All right, put your hand down. Some of you are liars because you didn't raise your hand. The Bible says liars go to hell, so let's try that again. How many of you, how many of you might have encountered one problem before you got saved? That's better, 100%. How about this? How many of you might have had maybe one time even half a problem after you got saved. Oh, yeah. So, what that draws the conclusion and leads us to believe is life is a problem. We can't escape them. And there's lots of reasons for the why of those things. And the good news is once we get Jesus he gets in our life with us. Isn't that awesome? And if we walk out our life with Jesus and we just keep going on the road, what you need, you will encounter 100%. I don't know where on that road you're going to encounter it. 
But by the time you get to the end, if you continue, all your issues will be fixed. They will all be resolved. Your body's going to work completely perfectly. Your mind's going to work right. All your, the, your, your competency at interpersonal relationships is going to be perfected by the time you get down yonder with the, with the Father. 100%. This book works. It works. It's 100% reliable. And... It's a, you, can, you can depend on what it says 100% the way it says it. Isn't that awesome? So I'm going to talk about, um, you know, we have a partnership with one chapel. Mountain Gateway does. And I want to thank you because some of you are the first time going, man, who is that wacko up there? But I want to thank you because you matter. Your faithfulness to God and your attempt to have community together and your attempt to follow God is affecting places that you don't know about that you will probably never visit. And you, there are people out there connected to you because of your faithfulness and giving and praying and just being faithful to God that will come up to you in heaven and thank you that you will never get an opportunity to meet. Because there's, it's not just us. It's not just your, your partnership with Mountain Gateway that is affecting places in the world. One chapel has other partnerships. And there's those of us that are out there working in places and doing things because you enable us to do that helps make the kingdom of God move forward. Because we can't do what we do without a whole bunch of you. And I want to thank you. And as we engaged with this learning process, we, we developed these ideas. Don't, don't, don't be nervous. She's not going to tie me up because I'm talking too much. Um, we just have a little visual for you this morning. Um. The Lord helped us figure some things out. And we got to where we had enough substance to begin to engage with people and help them move forward in their desire to serve God outside their home culture. That's, what, that, that's really what a missionary does, is, is, try that, is try to advance the kingdom of God outside their home culture, where they have to leave what they know into something that's foreign. And so, Mountain Gateway, we have a five-year training. Five years. Oh, yes. What we're working with is people who know that, that, that God's called them for their whole life. So, five years is not really a, 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 a big span. A year and a half of that happens in the United States, and then there's language school, and then it's really on-the-job training, three years of work under where we kind of really lock arms with you and, and you learn how to minister and grapple with issues from a foreign culture standpoint. And so I want you to know that you have a part in that. And I think there's a plan, there's a video that 
if it hadn't already been sent out, it's going to be, I think it's going to be emailed out to you. Do you know about that? It's going this week, yeah. So that'll give you a visual for what we do. It'll talk about the training. You'll see, not talk about, but you'll see some of the stuff that we do in the training. And then you'll see some of the stuff that we do in our church planting. And it's really cool. And if you want to know more about that, you can talk to one of us or go look at our website, mountaingateway.org. But this thing about Jesus helping us become something that we are not currently so that we can engage with the impossible and the supernatural is a really big deal. He's really amazing. And he has a destiny for each one of you in your life. And when he died on the cross, he settled the issue of who who you are, if you're born again, is a son or a daughter of God. That's settled at the cross. But what we are, what we think, what our attitudes are, and what we do, Jesus gets right inside the box of our life and he starts working on that. And that really is where all the stuff's at. All the turbulence, you know. And there's nothing impossible for God. There's no circumstance in your life that he can't get in the middle of and work it for your eternal benefit. That's our promise. Everything is not from God, but God gets involved in our lives if we, if we engage with him relationally and he turns everything to our benefit from the standpoint of eternity. That's amazing. That is amazing. His ability to do the impossible is beyond compare. Let's read a scripture real quick in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 1 through about verse 6. It says, After Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? What, were, what question really were they asking? You see, they had, what, over a thousand years of expectation and teaching and, and perception and opinion about Messiah and this th new thing that God was going to do, all these promises. They taught. They had their whole culture, their whole law, their, their whole society was wrapped around this central idea of that they are the people of God and God's going to send his son. But they had really, they were clueless when he showed up. Really, if you read the book. And so they were interested. Are you the one that we've been waiting on for hundreds and hundreds of years? When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask, Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, the def here's how he defined the gospel himself. Go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who doesn't fall away on account of me. You see, the gospel is two big parts. It's hearing and seeing. You're hearing right now. Almost all of our focus goes into content and delivery of messaging. 
But there's another part. And it is the, the awesome power of God where he engages with us to transform us from that person that doesn't meet up with who we need to be in order to go where he wants us to go. And he does the transformation thing on every level, personally, emotionally, in our relationships, and in miracles that are listed like this. I'm really excited about Jesus because I am a witness to every one of these kinds of things. I can talk to you all day about things that we've seen in our life. And I'll tell you about one of them and then we'll be done. Because I want us to understand that Jesus' ability to work in the impossible. Because that's really oftentimes how we view who we are and what he's asking us to do. Either in his book or, or directly through a vision or a dream or something that starts to resonate in our hearts. Because I'm going to tell you something. If God speaks to you, it's going to have impossibility embedded in it. Or it's not him speaking. Why? Because only in the impossible is, is our opportunity for growth and transformation. Isn't that an awesome way to think about it? Every miracle that we've seen, we've seen thousands. Every miracle's come from a problem. Every single one of them. So what that means is problems are opportunities. Problems are opportunities for the power of God. We got this guy saved. We work, like I said, in little bitty small villages. And this, actually, we didn't get him saved. He got saved right before we found him. And we found him, and we started going to his house, and he was really hungry for the gospel, and he didn't have a road that went to his house. He lived on top of this mountain, way through this, this coffee plantation in the jungle where we, where we lived and worked. And, and we started going to his house, and Every week we would go there, go there, go there. And he's just so hungry, full of questions. About two years into this process of discipleship with him, he turned on and he was like, boy, something started stirring in him and he had to, he had to start telling other people. And he started believing more and more what was in the book. And he started going around and he went to this place where we had this this little church planted. There was about eight or ten people there. And, and he was scheduled to go over there. As part of the leadership. And he showed up that day. And there was a lady there. A sister from an, an accompanying village. Who was in terrible distress. And the reason she was in distress. Because her little boy had died. And... She talked to him, and he's the only leader there, and he's the, he doesn't feel capable. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you would feel totally equipped and capable to know how to handle that situation? Raise your hand. Because what she wanted was God to do something about her dead son. And so you think, well, what can I do? Well, that's what he thought. What can I do? So they canceled service in that little house where they were, and they went to walking. To the, to the house where the, the little dead boy was. It was in the next village over, about 20 minutes away. So they're walking along. Justino's his name. They're walking along, and he says to God in his mind, I have doubt. What can I do about this? 
What can I do about it? And the, he said that the Lord spoke back to him and he said, Who are you going to be asking for help? Boy, what a novel idea that we should focus on God instead of an all-consuming impossible problem. Isn't that awesome? And he said, what do you mean? He said, who are you going to be asking for help? Well, I'm going to be asking you, Lord, for help. He said, that's right. You're going to be asking me. I don't have any doubt. Isn't that awesome? How can that not be encouraging? Of course God doesn't have any doubt. So they go over there. They get to the house. Here's a little dead boy sitting on the table in the living room. Rigor mortis had set in. See, they're brown. They're not white like I am. They're brown. They're dark brown. They're not supposed to be pale, and they're not supposed to be cold and stiff. And so they started praying, and they kept praying. And they had 10 minutes went by, and 15 minutes went by, and nothing happened. Can you identify with that, anybody? Oh, yeah. So finally they sat down. And the room was full of people that hate God. As a matter of fact, they were there to tell the sister, the reason your son died is because you love Jesus, because you got saved. How about that for encouragement? And so they were sitting there glaring, and so the brothers were in there, and the sisters were in there, and they kept praying. They kept talking to God, engaged with him. And they were praying, asking God to do something. I mean, like, like how, how, what do you keep saying? You know, you just, I don't know what you say, but 30 minutes went by and 40 minutes went by and 50 minutes went by. Right around an hour, the Creator God, the one who made the heart in the first place, decided to turn his back on, that little boy. And his heart cranked off. And color came back in his skin the pigment turned dark brown again awesome isn't that awesome he sat up on the table all the unbelievers are like whoa you know what they did they jumped up and ran out in fear except for four of them and there was four of them left and they said what do we do to get saved isn't that awesome yeah but you see, when Jesus spoke to me on the mountain, I knew I was not capable of that. And we all know that it's the power of God that does it. But what I mean is, whatever, whatever I needed to believe about God and understand, I was not equal to, to be able to see that. But you know what happened? I put one foot in front of the other. And there were people who came alongside me who spoke into my life and who helped me. And we helped each other and we locked arms. And I became somebody that I was not. And I'm still becoming somebody who is not equal to the task that Jesus has asked of me. But I'm going to become that person in Jesus' name. And I'm going to encounter what I need. Because I'm going to keep going. I have settled that. So now if you would, I want you to stand up. And we're closing for this. And I apologize for being a few minutes late. There's a rope going down the aisle on the center. And those of you who are right on the aisle, if you just reach down and grab that rope. Now the rest of you, 
Yeah, Mountain Gateway, come up here. Let's see. The rest of you, I want you to hold hands. There's a story in Acts chapter 9 about the Apostle Paul. And what he did was his preaching was so awesome and so seeker-friendly. He made everybody so mad. He got everybody so stirred up they wanted to kill him. And he had to escape the city. And there were some believers that got together. And they put him in a basket. And they tied a rope to that basket. And they let him down the wall. The outside of the wall. So that he, that he could escape. And go to the next place that God had sent him to. And he wouldn't have been able to escape. Without some folks. Holding the rope. To help him do what he does. And you see these people right here. Some of you know us directly. You have hands directly on the rope that's holding us up and helping us do what it is. You're helping us move along the way. You're helping us in our journey. You're helping us go forward. And then there's a whole bunch more people that are connected to those that are holding the rope. You see, you matter. We're out there doing stuff. Other people in other ministries are out there doing things. We're trying our best to engage with people to help them meet Jesus. The guy in this book, the resurrection and the life, the I can do anything, nothing is impossible for me, God. And you have a part in that. And I want to thank you. And I want to encourage you. Some of you may be merely attenders and you're not really holding anybody's hand or you're not letting anybody hold your hand. And all the small groups and, and all of the ways that there are opportunities for you to connect, you need to do that because we all need each other. We need each other. We need each other. Because your life impacts everyone around you. Period. And what we want and what this world needs is for us to learn how to love each other better and better. And better. So let's lock hands. Let's join hands. Let's do a good job with helping each other. I want to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you go and just do your work. Work in hearts. Work in minds. Work in spirits. There's nobody like you. And I ask, Lord, that you help each one of us continue down the road that you have for us. You say you have intentionality for us. You've laid out steps for each one of us to put our feet in. Not just the pathway, not just the road in a general way, but the very footsteps, the exact location, the exact stride link. You know when we should walk and when we should stand still. You know when we should run. 
You know what your intention is for us. And I ask that whatever it is that you need to do in each one of us, God, that's what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.